Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is your other co-host, Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it doing today, co-host Charles Chuck Thompson? It feels good to be a part of the show. Oh, wow. Here I am. Feels good to have you back. Look no further. He's back. Um, Yes. All right. You know who else is back? Nancy Pelosi. That's what people in Taiwan are saying. Like, oh, man, she's back. We'll talk about that. Slim Shady? He's also back. Uh, Everyone else, let us know in the group who else is back today. (laughs) Slim Shady, Pelosi, Charlie's back, all those things. This is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meeting every single day of the week when we want to. So if you are so inclined, smash that plus button on your phone so you can get some good liberty goodness. Good liberty goodness. I was back yesterday. You were. But only as a guest. (laughs) True. (laughs) So today I'm officially back. To my you know, regular title. It was a good trial run. I th- yeah. It went well enough that we had you back again today, and you've officially been added as a co-host on the show. In the rotation. <laughs> in the rotation of various co-hosts that we have. Anyway. All right. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. We will have our foreign policy experts on the show to tell you uh, whether or not that's a good thing. Uh, we'll also talk about drone strike in Afghanistan, killing this old dude, Zawahiri. He's dead. He had to do with 9-11. I mean, he probably deserved to die. So we can talk about that in an article from Reason. A little bit of information about the Inflation Reduction Act and whether or not it will, in fact, reduce inflation. I don't I have no idea. We'll have to read the article to see. It's hard to figure these things out. You know, you raise taxes. Well, it says it in the title. It does say it in the title. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then we have to talk about the fact we got to talk about this New York thing. There's a few states around the country where it is insanely hard to get on the ballot. Is that, in fact, voter suppression? That's what I want to know. You know, you can't vote for your choice because of these crazy rules that they've instituted. Unfortunately, Mr. Larry Sharp did not make it on the ballot. Uh, in New York, and uh, we might have to have him on to talk about that sometime. That's frustrating. I know we put a lot of work into that. So anyway, to the first topic of the day, it is Nancy Pelosi, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi lands in Taiwan amid threats of Chinese retaliation. All I can think of when you say Taiwan is Armageddon. (laughs) All made in Taiwan. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, American spaceship, Russian spaceship, all made in Taiwan. Here's her landing and walking. She is in fact there. Seems like it. Looks like it's zero dark thirty out there. Under the cloud of darkness, she arrives. About eighteen people hold her hand, make sure she doesn't fall down. Someone just handed her a beer. Still wearing a mask, huh? Got the mask on, of course. Yeah. I'm not sure the sound was necessary on that video. No. But that's what a plane engine sounds like right there. Mm. That thing's got a Hemi in her. Okay. What do you th- Initial reaction, Charlie. Good idea, bad idea. In this current political climate? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the best idea. Yeah, but what about political climate change? That's been a thing. <laughs> well, that's the greatest threat to humanity, <laughs> actually. It's a pretty it's big one. It's the political climate change. Yeah. So Nancy yeah. Pelosi there trying to create political climate change. Mm-hmm. So she landed in Taipei on Tuesday, marking a significant show of support for Taiwan despite China's threats of retaliation over the visit. This is from CNN. Pelosi's stop in Taipei is the first time the U.S. House speakers visited Taiwan in 25 years. Her trip comes at a low point in U.S.-China relations. And despite warnings from the Biden administration against a stop in Taiwan, She said, yeah, but I got those NVIDIA calls, and if this goes well, I'm going to make bank. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly what she responded with. She did sell some at a loss just to show (laughs) that she lost some money. A Taiwanese official told CNN that Pelosi's expected to stay overnight. Pelosi and the congressional delegation that accompanied her said in a statement on Tuesday that the visit honors America's unwavering commitment to supporting Taiwan's vibrant democracy. Our discussions with Taiwan leadership will focus on reaffirming our support for our partner and our promote and on promoting our shared interests, including advancing a free and open Indo-Pacific region. 
It said, Amanda, Amanda's, also America's, solidarity with the 23 million people of Taiwan is more important today than ever as the world faces a choice between autocracy and democracy. They're even worried about Republicans over there. I thought, like, I thought the Chinese Communist Party were doing things correct. I mean, that was communism that we should emulate. You're getting I thought. It right. Their growth is off yeah. the charts. Uh, equality, of course. They don't have any misinformation over there. They've controlled all of that. I thought that that was like, because when you ask the lefties, the super lefties, mm -hmm. when like, okay, where where does communism has never worked before? Well, it works in China. Yeah. It's the answer they give you. So I don't understand why China is such an enemy to these people. I want to play. Now, this is a, a potentially what it could sound like when she speaks over there. This is Nancy Pelosi last week. I just wanted to enjoy this with everyone for like a for like a minute. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's most of the product that we've done is. Except now we, we may have added in the last day or so. And some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. All that stuff. Um, so somebody sent it, or and then we had the family medical leave. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if Manchin doesn't like it. So, um, uh, so we are getting some <laughs> bird and privilege. I think I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub. Because privilege drug is deadless to a bill. Birdable, it's important. It's, you have to take it out. But privilege violation can take you out. So, so we're, again, getting that as we go along as well. But when we pass a bill, then they will f see it in its aggregate and make uh, some... Any concerns that any of this is, quote, messaging because that they have to take some of those things out regardless, no matter what you send over? You said you weren't going to send a, a messaging bill. No, no, we're going to send a messaging bill, but we uh, <laughs> want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath or privilege scrub. They're the two um, exercises we're <laughs> engaged, <laughs> bathing exercises we're engaged in. And um, um, we're getting good. <laughs> What the fuck did she just say? I don't know. What is happening? I don't know. They should never have press conferences after the cocktail parties. It's a terrible idea. What is going on right now? <laughs> this is the face of American this is, so you're politics. You're telling me that this is the U.S. government? government? That this is who they send this to is talk the to Taiwan? Best we got. <laughs> and this is the best that you could that the, the government, the U.S. government, can come up with. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> At first I was like, what is she talking about birds for? She just kept saying bird. And then finally she was like bird bath. And I was like, I don't know if that's better or not. <laughs> okay, anyway. Wow. Have no fear, everyone. Is she on Percocets or what? Uh, of course. Oh. Of course she is. Um, Molly, Molly Percocet. Have no fear, everyone. Definitely not going to lead us into a war or anything like that. We've we've sent the best. We've got the best of the best over there. All right? Yeah. So everything's going to be okay. The House Speaker wrote an op-ed that published in the Washington Post after she landed, arguing that her trip demonstrated the U.S. commitment to Taiwan under the threat from China in the face of the Chinese Communist Party's accelerating aggression our congressional delegation's visit should be seen as an unequivocal statement that America stands with Taiwan, our democratic partner, as it defends itself and its freedom. So China's not happy about this. They say that there's going to be some retaliations. They have warned against the egregious political impact of Pelosi's visit, saying the Chinese military won't sit by idly if Beijing believes its sovereignty and territorial integrity is being threatened. Mm. That's not good. Um, that, yeah, that's not good at all. So what do you think, um, anything good, anything bad? Is this good or bad? How do you feel about it, Charlie? Uh, you know, probably, like I said, probably not great, uh, considering that I don't think we should go to war with China, 
Uh, even if, like, look, I'm not saying that the people of Taiwan don't deserve to be free and independent. I, I hope, of course, they do. I hope they do. But to, to say that it's America's responsibility to ensure that Taiwan remains democratically free, I, I just don't think that's the answer there. Like, going to war with China, well, war in itself is bad. Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't defend things when necessary. However, war with China, we're already in a proxy war with Russia. It could mm -hmm. turn into a full-scale war, especially if we go to war with China, and then Russia and China are pretty much allies. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't think we can take them both on the Why same couldn't time. this be done, like, by a phone call? I don't know. Why couldn't it just be done with a speech that says, we stand with Taiwan? You know, you just do that. Yeah. Um, I understand the idea of doing this. You want to show that you support Taiwan. And the idea is that you would deter them. They're not saying that this is going to deter anything. All right. Just like sanctions, never a deterrence. Mm -mm. All right. They're not saying it's going to deter anything. But the idea would be that this would deter China from attacking Taiwan. The problem, I get that idea. You show that you support them. If they're going to go to war with Taiwan, then that means they're going to war with the United States as well. Okay. I get that idea. But on the flip side, who has more to lose here? Like, should China be super worried about, let's just say a trade. Well, let's say we cut off trade. You know, that's what we did with Russia, basically. We cut off trade because we're mad that China invaded Taiwan. Who's got the most to lose in that scenario? Is it like China? Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to lose all those cheaply made crappy goods from America. You know, we're not going to have that. And we're like, they've got everything that they, they got everything they need over there. Because, mm. like, everything's produced over there. And everything else is produced in Taiwan. So they'll be so they'll be fine. But us, on the other hand, we're kind of screwed. And continuing on that conversation, Charlie, does this bring into question the idea that free trade with all nations is clearly the best thing for everyone and that it is the best strategy that we could potentially have as Americans? I think we'd we would need to we would need Nancy's probably answer on that one. Yeah. So oh, that we yeah. could, so that she could articulate it better than we could, Nate. I, I think we would be in a better situation if we produced a lot of our own things. But the way to get ourselves in that situation, you take something like the Chips Act that they just uh, pushed through. You know, the way that they're going to try to compete is by taking a lot of money from people and subsidizing these companies, so it makes sense for them to do business in the U.S. Why do they have to subsidize them? They got to subsidize them because it's a lot harder for them to do business in the it's United States. It's a lot more States. expensive. It's more expensive business. for them to uh, to do that. And that doesn't mean that we want to. And, not, and that's not just because of labor, although labor is a component. Yeah, that creates American businesses. That that creates it to be more expensive in America. It doesn't mean that we want people making slave wages or anything here. But there's also trade offs here. We are taking money from people and giving it to the companies to give them what looks like a higher wage, but of course we're taking a bunch of their wages through either taxation or inflation and giving it to the companies so they'll pay them a decent wage to work in the U.S., all the while taking a bunch of money from the people that are working there. What would their wage actually look like if you, once you take all the taxes and the inflation out of it, probably look like slave wages mm. that we would call in, uh, in other countries. The best thing for us to do would be the best environment for business imaginable. Best environment for business imaginable. Mm. The, That's least, all you had to say. It's at least the third Armageddon reference that we've had during <laughs> this show. So I guess we're both thinking about the end of the world today. Uh, just to tack on to this story real quick. Well, but to your point real quick is that free trade is always should be the ultimate goal, mm -hmm. right? Because just Im like imagine all the things that we get from China and then imagine that we don't get those things anymore. You want to see a, a real economic downfall? I mean... That, that would take decades to recover from. Yeah. And and we're not even talking about nukes, potential nukes. But um, what if, okay, so just going down this free trade thing, what if you're trading with someone and it's all looking good, but it turns out that person, like that other nation, they were just trying to look like a great economic partner for a long time to the point that you became dependent on them. And then once you were finally dependent on them for everything because of free trade, they basically had all the power and control over you that they wanted afterwards. And so tra free trade with like an adversary that, uh, that eventually wants to like 
own you and your land and all your people and kill everyone. I don't know if that's their goals, but uh, just speculating there. You know, I, I'm just saying, I think the, the Russia thing opened up some of our eyes a little bit uh, to maybe we should produce some of our own stuff. But I want to do that because it's the best economic outcome for everyone, not because we stole money from people and subsidized it to make it look better. And that's unfortunately the road that we're not going down. Yep. But we should be going down that one. But we're not. Well, and you're talking mainly the the Russia-Europe mm-hmm. uh, debacle yes, that's going yes. on, especially with Germany, mm-hmm. considering there's going to be, uh, well, winter's coming for all you Game of Thrones fans. And so what's going to happen when, you know, Germany doesn't have the natural gas that they need from Russia and those types of things? Yeah. And I think, you know, Trump was right about this and, and saying that, hey, it... Yeah. There's two things here, which is obviously you want the best economically viable choice, but you also have to weigh the other side of that, which is if that were to dry up, what's your backup plan? Yeah, they don't they didn't really have a good backup plan. Now they're trying to turn their nuclear back on. There is more that, you know, this is an obviously an entire month's worth of podcast kind of conversation that we're going to finish up here in about 30 seconds. But um, there's more to that, too, where they're hurting themselves by shutting off their own capabilities of producing energy like nuclear and all of that. And that creates their dependence on what they're getting from other countries because they want to look like they don't have the emissions. They're just outsourcing their emissions to another country to make it look like they don't have any. Right. And and so they're really just chasing that that green that green goal right the there. The green score. The green score. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what they technically call it. Just to tack on to this, the U.S. Navy has deployed four warships east of Taiwan. Uh, this was just from about Perfect. 20. Yeah, this was, uh, it was from this morning. U.S. Navy deployed four warships east of Taiwan as Pelosi heads to Taipei. You know, I hope nothing bad happens while she's over there. I, I will say that because I haven't secured my short position yet. Uh, but after, after I secure my short position when the podcast is over, uh, I don't care anymore. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's what let's see what we're doing to Al Qaeda still. How did this go? And by the way, someone posted the Magoo post. This was this guy already dead. What it, is that? What I'm hearing is that the speculation right now. Well, I'm going to change the title of this headline. Okay, for everyone, this is from Reason. U.S. allegedly kills <laughs> Al Qaeda leader. Uh, is it Amen Al, Al Zawahiri? Is Al Zawahiri? <laughs> Will it matter? Uh, quote, justice has been delivered, President Joe Biden said from the White House. Isn't that interesting <laughs> that his predecessor was well, the uh, previous predecessor, the one before Trump. Mm. And he was vice president when Obama took down Osama bin Laden's. And now he's president and he's taken down the new leader of mm-hmm. al-Qaeda, mm-hmm. al-Zawahari. Do you, this comes roughly a year after our extremely perfect withdrawal from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we maybe this turns the tides. For Biden, everyone forget about the people <clears throat> hanging off the plane and all the soldiers that died mm-hmm. and everything. We got Zawahiri. Yes. So the U.S. successfully conducted an airstrike in, in Kabul, Afghanistan, that killed um, Al Zawahiri. The 71-year-old helped plan the 9-11 attacks and took over al-Qaeda after Osama bin Laden's death that Obama took out. The administration began moving forward with its plans to strike uh, Zawahiri. 71 in April after the intelligence indicated he had moved into a safe house with his wife, daughter, and grandchildren. Four months later, two missiles slammed into his safe house as he stood outside on the balcony, taking in the morning air, according to a senior administration official. After the strike Sunday morning, Zawahiri's wife, daughter, and grandchildren could be seen fleeing the home, the, uh, the official said. The administration alleges no civilians were killed. Hey, so, so that's a step up right there. His wife, daughter, and grandchildren could be seen fleeing the home. How about after that? After the strike. Lucky strike right there. <clears throat> that's precision. Good job. He's out there taking in the morning air. He goes, oh, I love the smell of zero drone strikes in the morning. <laughs> and then, you he know. He was wrong. Yeah, totally wrong. Aside from fulfilling America's sense of vengeance and scoring some points for the Biden administration, it's not clear that killing Al Zawahiri, nearly 21 years after 9-11 and 17 years after the uh, last big al-Qaeda attack in Europe, uh, will make much of a difference for national security or for stopping terrorism more generally. But we got him. We got him. We got him. It's all that matters. It doesn't necessarily have an earth-shattering impact, 
Michael Ware, Times former Middle East Bureau chief, told Sky News Australia, because these organizations are built for loss and one of the outstanding features of their ability to wage war against us is their capability to regenerate. So Zawahiri's death could even make things worse, depending on who succeeds him as the head of Al-Qaeda and how the group reacts to his death and how much vengeance they want. Yeah, because it could have you could have just woken them up a little bit. Now, that he did he deserve to die? He had a part in 9-11. Like, he, he, he got what was coming to him. What was coming to him was a bomb, you know, took him out. And uh, so I guess, you know, morally he deserved this we could talk about legally or human rights or these deserve a trial or whatever all that stuff um but he he did get what was coming to him is this going to change anything that's the big question and as always the answer is no it's not gonna they killed bin laden that's great guess what zawahiri was then running al-qaeda after that so we got to kill zawahiri all right we got him now we got al-qaeda right now, someone else is going to pop up and run it. And in fact, a lot of people are going to be upset about this, of course, and you could spur another terrorist attack. I'm not saying that when people hit you, you just give up and all that, but don't act like you this do, solves you, a problem. And you do have to consider when you kill one terrorist, you create like a hundred more. Yeah. And then if you kill a leader, you probably create a few thousand more. And it just becomes an easier recruiting tactic. Now, in this case, if they in fact did not kill any civilians then that's good. You can have less new terrorists pop up, you know, people upset that their family members died because they were too close to a bomb when it went off, something like that. Uh, so that's good if they were able to do it with no civilians. We'll see if we get any more reports about that. But, hey, still working. Biden still got it. He's going to reduce inflation. We're taking on China. Uh, who knows what's going on in Ukraine, but it's probably fine. And Afghanistan is obviously back under U.S. We, control. We are running Afghanistan again, man. They yeah. can't get anything past Biden between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. You know what would probably <clears throat> reduce terrorism? Is if we just left the Middle East alone. You know, I see all these people upset about this. Isolationist. I see all these people upset about Blame this whole... Blame America first, isolationist. I see all these people upset about this whole live golf situation. It's backed by Saudi Arabian money. Oh, the golf tournament. Yes. Yeah. And like people are so upset about blood money and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's, you don't understand. Like Saudi Arabia's weapons come from the United States and are launched by the United States. And we have Saudi Arabia fighting our wars in Yemen and Libya and all these places. Uh, 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia, backed by the United States. I'm looking at buying a lucid when they come out, and that's backed by Saudi Arabia. Right. You know, it's like, it's like I don't, I don't quite understand the like people just. It's almost like it's blocked out of their mind how much involvement the U.S. has in the Middle East and the control that they have through their partners like Saudi Arabia. In fact, all of our wars are launched from the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, from the bases that we built there a long time ago. Well, you see what that you're we maintain. asking. What you're asking people to do is do like a multi-level analysis of a problem, and that takes longer than like seven seconds. And the problem is, I sound like an asshole while I'm yep. doing it. So. One, you don't care about people at all, yep. especially kids, especially if they're LGBTQ and trans kids that are disabled. We've already established that. Mm. We know that. Second, which there's nothing I can do about because it just yeah. comes inherently from my position as a yeah. white patriarchal yeah. figure you're born that way yeah of course you can't you can't do anything about it you don't care about women because you're over here defending people playing golf with saudi arabia blood money you don't care about women of course you know maybe with your recent car accident you wouldn't mind if women couldn't drive But that's neither here nor no, there. No, that's not part of it at all. <laughs> yeah. No, but people they like to separate stuff out. Like, oh, I'm not going to take the uh, I'm not going to take the blood money from Saudi Arabia. Like, okay, well, you use oil. <laughs> okay. Okay. So clearly, you're okay with it. You, you're you just have, mad that people are taken away from the PGA tour. That's basically it. You have gas. You have gas in your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. But the the real way to end terrorism, or at least the majority of terrorism, because I I have a feeling, and see, I'm reminded of um, the Patriot. You know, when he talks at the very beginning where he's like, I have long feared that my sins will return to visit me. So we're still probably going to have some things because our sins, our involvement in the Middle East is going to return to visit us and haunt us, however. But the re 
the the real actual way to fix this is not killing Zawahiri, although he probably deserved it. What whatever is getting out of like getting out of their homes, mm -hmm. like leaving them alone. You know, we're trying to kill let them. Let them be who they want to be. Here's a question: We're over there killing other countries' domestic terrorists. <laughs> you know, when are they going to start drone bombing us? That's what I want to know. Right. You know. When are they going to take out, oh, leader Al-Qaeda takes out Trump, the leader of the right-wing domestic terrorist cell in the United States. You know, that's who they just took out. They just took out a member of the uh, uh, the alt-right nationalist group, Peace Oath Keepers, or whatever their names are. Yeah. That's the problem when you start calling people terrorists, by the way, when you start using this hyperbolic language. And we're saying, okay, these terrorists over there, they're super dangerous. We're going to go get them. And, uh, okay, well, you fine with people doing that to us? No, probably not. Let's just all take care of our own problems. Yep. They're mad at us about something, and they're retaliating. And then we retaliate, and then they retaliate, and then we go in this cycle for a while, and the only people that benefit are the people who build the bombs. That's and, it. And look, so, so Joe says, this is my biggest issue with libertarians. You can be hit by a terrorist, and then they punch back, and they keep hitting. I understand that our involvement can... Uh, sorry, I'm missing part of this. I understand that our involvement can make a uh, terrorist, but how is the answer? Well, we were hit, so let's just do nothing. I, I'm not saying that you can't defend yourself. Um, like, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, which is that <laughs> you can't defend yourself. What I am saying is that you have to try to look at where this all started and see. It's just like in your own personal life. It's like you can only control yourself. Yeah. Right. So we clearly can't control them. No. Like if the U.S. military and trillions of dollars over decades has not solved this problem, then this is not the answer. You're not going to solve the problem. And it's not even just decade. It's not even just the last 20 years. It's the last 70 years that, that we've been that we've been doing this. And so it's not going to. How do we know that this is going to do anything eventually? Like if I walk up to Charlie and I punch him in the face for no reason, and then he punches me in the face, and then I'm like, Charlie just hit me. I have to defend myself and punch him in the face. Right. And then Charlie's like, well, Nate just hit me. I've got to punch him in the face. And I'm like, Charlie just hit me. <laughs> got to punch him in the face. Who needs to stop? And Who needs to stop this? And all of yours are on camera. <laughs> yeah. Or me hitting you is on camera. And you've got articles written about it and everything. And then there's no evidence of you ever hitting me or, or the evidence is hard to find. And it's conspiratorial of the fact that you hit me. So the, it's obviously not going to solve all the problems, but the answer is who do we have control over? Well, we have control over the United States of America. That's it. And so the answer is, <clears throat> it's not that you can't defend yourself. However, you have to take, you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what, what have I done that, what is my participation in the situation? Okay. And what can I correct about that? And, and it, it starts with a lie, by the way, because people do do that. We get attacked. Okay. We get attacked. And then the question is, why did they attack us? Well, the answer, if you want to land on what the media and the people in the government, they all land on, well, they attacked us because they hate freedom. They hate us because we're free and they just don't like the land of liberty. Is that really the answer? Is that really what we're going to land on? They attacked us because we're free. Because they're evil. Because they're evil and they hate freedom. That's they what it is. want to turn the world into Sharia law. Okay, so that's what the, everyone was saying was why they attacked us. So we know right off the bat that's not why they attacked us. So why did they attack us? There's a potential that since all the people in the media and the government made up a bullshit answer for why they attacked us, that it's probably something we did. And so then you trace it back to, oh, was it something that we did that they're upset about? Well, then eventually the person that needs to break the cycle is the person that started the cycle in the first place. Yeah. That's all we're saying here. Well, and you can read their own words. Yeah. Like, it's not like Osama bin Laden. And yeah, but they're a terrorist. You can't trust anything they're writing with their they words. They tell you exactly why they attacked America. They tell you exactly what happened. It was because of the CIA and other meddling that was going on when the CIA backed the... The Shah of Iran. 
You get you go back to Iran, right? Is that well, the, 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 well, Iran is Iran is involved too. But I'm going back in just to the 80s, um, the 70s and 80s when Russia was there. Mm. The when the United States backed Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda against the Russians. Yeah, and then they left them out to dry. Okay. We created the military to fight Russia, and then those people ended up terrorizing the neighborhood. And then we left them out to dry, and we put played this whole blame game. They tell you exactly why they tried to bomb the World Trade Centers in 1993 and were unsuccessful, and then exactly why they did in 2001. It's not. This isn't that hard to trace back. Now, whatever you can go back to the Christian Crusades, you know. Yeah, we can keep going back all the way back yeah. and say, well, this is King James's fault or whoever it was at that time that you know was running around Europe and you know killing Muslims because they didn't believe in God. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That what matters is what can we do about it now? Because it's just going to be this never-ending cycle. And it's not that I don't think people it's not that I don't think people aren't valid in their feelings, especially those that lost uh, loved ones during 9/11 to want some sort of vengeance. That's I I don't I think that's valid. I think if my kid was in 9/11 or on a plane or something, I would want vengeance as well. Well, like I the way that we started this out was the guy probably deserved it and got what was coming to him. But the, the pushback was, is this going to change anything? And the answer is no, because you, what if you kill Biden, the U S government falls apart? No, gets, never mind. I won't go any further with that. No, we've got people to replace them. You know, people just step up there. And all these people are the same way. We killed Bin Laden. This guy stepped up. You killed him. You think, oh, crap, we don't have anyone to step in and run Al-Qaeda anymore now that they killed that. All I'm saying is he probably deserved it, but it doesn't change anything. That's yep. that's it. Martin Luther King was right. The only thing that drives out hate is love. That's it. Yep. And we just need to go over there and love on them as mm-hmm. much as possible and just give out bear hugs. You can't, you can't bomb people. <laughs> you can't bomb people into doing the right thing. In this case, the answer, the love is to get is to leave their homes to get out to get out of there so like i agree with trump make a make a peace agreement with the taliban something start these peace negotiations i think that's one of the best things trump did now of course it was basically thrown away and i don't i'm not saying the taliban are good people i don't definitely think that the way they organize society is worse Mm -hmm. for people all i heard was quote i agree with trump end quote Dash, Charles Chuck Thompson. Yeah, that's all I got from that. Well, I'm nice saying clip. most of the people who are also uh, conservative love Trump, so I'm just making that correlation. That I think one of the best things that he did was try to negotiate a peace deal, and I think that's the answer. I think we tried to negotiate peace deals with these folks and say, "Hey, look, what do you want?" And they'll they'll say, "Well, in another language, they'll say we want <laughs> we want you to leave us the hell alone." You're like, okay, well, I'll write that down in the treaty then. Yeah. You know, well, America will leave you the hell alone. And then they're like, well, what do you want in another language? And somebody will translate that. And then we'll say back to them, it's like, well, we don't want any more terrorist attacks. And they'll be like, okay, we'll write that down in the treaty too. Both sign it. All right. It's, it's a, like, that's, that's better. I want to make better. I want to make sure that we talk about this before we end up having to close out the show because we we're going to talk about it yesterday while we're talking about libertarians and our shortcomings of course, in life. Uh, Let's talk about libertarianism and what happened in the great state of New York. Now, we've had Larry Sharp on the podcast a couple times now. Uh, Seems like a great guy. I mean, we've met him a couple times. Seems like a a really great guy. And he was was running hard there in New York, running his campaign. All of his efforts, all of his campaign was trying to get signatures so he could get on the ballot. And he was spending a bunch of money and a bunch of manpower and woman power, they power, whatever you want to call it, to try and get signatures to get on the ballot. And he ended up not making it on the ballot. And that's very frustrating because when you look at New York, it's no not one, exactly, No one else made it on the ballot either. No, none of the other third parties. There's only two, two choices there. So the people in New York, they continue to be screwed, of course. It's not like the third party would have won, but people need to see that there are other options when they go to put their vote out there. Now, in this time of... Uh, well, New York's not exactly doing all that great as a state. We know that. Um, people are very upset about voter suppression, about democracy. P- 
people being able to choose and all that. But there seems to be these very anti-democratic or anti-voter choice measures, even in states like Tennessee, the beacon of liberty over here. They had to get less signatures than what libertarians have to get in Tennessee still. And they still weren't able to make it. Even in a city that's got millions of people concentrated right there. Imagine trying to get those signatures in Tennessee, mm. you know, and, and they still weren't able to do it. None of the other third, fourth, fifth, sixth parties were able to do it. So the New York Times wrote up something this about this. This is crazy. It's coming from the New York Times. And they got a quote from Larry Sharp in here. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You can take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com gml. That's betterhelp.com slash gml. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the Expat Money Show, listen to that podcast, and also go sign up for the free Expat Money Summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the Expat Money Show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the free online Expat Money Summit. So for the first time since 1946, New Yorkers have just two choices for governor. New York voters who dislike the Democrat or Republican candidates for governor have traditionally been able to cast their ballots for a long-shot candidate from any number of so-called third parties. There are the perennials like Green and Libertarian parties and the occasional, <clears throat> like the Sapient Party in 2014. Or Sapient. Or Sapient, whichever one. Or the Serve America movement four years later in 2018. But this year, for the first time in over 75 years, the state ballot appears destined to only have two choices. That's Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat, and Representative Lee Zeldin, a Republican. So the, the options, by the way, are due to this Andrew M. Cuomo, the, the butt grabber and grandma killer, Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> who championed changes in election law two years ago that made it far more difficult for third parties to get on the ballot. The changes to ballot access law tripled the number of voter signatures required for groups to get on the November ballot and forced political parties to qualify every two years instead of four. Now, that makes it a little more difficult because the qualification, you think about how many less people vote in your midterm elections and, and all of that, like between presidential elections, 
and you got to hit those certain thresholds to be able to qualify every two years. It essentially makes it impossible. The steep climb to get on the ballot has prompted legal challenges, including being heard this week in the state Supreme Court in Albany, a lawsuit filed by the Libertarian Party. The party's nominee, Larry Sharp, argued that the rules are so tough that the only entrenched, only the entrenched and connected can earn the right to appear on the ballot in New York. In court this week, Mr. Sharp, the Libertarian candidate for governor, tried to convince Judge David Weinstein that his constitutional rights were violated in late June when the State Board of Elections invoked the Cuomo-era law and rejected his application. Mr. Sharp said that getting the required 45,000 signatures, which is up from 15,000, requires a huge and expensive effort with dozens of people on the payroll at a cost of $8,000 a day or more. So he said that you're in the situation now where only people who would ever want to run for office are those who are already in office. And that's the point. That, that is the point. The only people that can run are the people that are already there and the people that are in these two major parties. I feel like this, you know, if this were just put up on the ballot as a ballot measure, which would be really difficult to actually put these things up in some of these states, of course, because the people in power got to get it up there on the ballot. So why would they do that? But if this were going to be a ballot measure, people would vote to allow other parties to be on the ballot mm. in a much easier way. Perhaps the same amount of signatures that are required of the other political parties. Just saying. Well, and this is where the, the government shouldn't be creating barriers to entry, right? I mean, this is where it, it's clear and, and plain as day that there's collusion happening at, at these state and federal levels where the Republicans and Democrats are colluding together to create barriers for anyone else to be on the ballot. Now, of course, they're going to make the argument, well, it's like, well, you can't have a thousand people on the presidential ballot. Why not? Why? You still, we had those, you know, 10 pages of gubernatorial candidates in Tennessee. They were just all independents. Mm. We still had to flip through several pages of candidates because the, being independent and get on the ballot. Now, somehow the Democrat like and Republican else. were at the top. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like an alphabetical order. Yeah. But the, the, it's the barrier to entry that I think is, um, it, it's an injustice. It, it really is. It is. And, and I like how they as, describe the judge as skeptical. Mm -hmm. Like what, how in the world could you look at this and be like, that's fair. Sounds fair to me. Yeah. Yeah. We should just randomly require. I think you should get a hundred thousand signatures. Yeah. That's totally fair. These parties have to get this many and your party has to get uh, uh, 80 times more than that. Yeah. You know, a hundred times, 200 times more than that. Seems fair. Totally fair. Be yeah. So if you're actually worried about voter suppression, uh, I think this is something you should be worried about. Whether or not other al alternatives. I mean, look at the approval ratings of Republicans and Democrats, especially when you look at congressional approval ratings. I mean, good Lord. People prefer COVID to people that are in Congress. <laughs> I'd rather have monkeypox. Bring COVID back. Yeah. Bring COVID <laughs> Please. I don't know, man. I'm I'm a fan of Pelosi, you know, with that riveting speech she just, you know, <laughs> she gave. I I was quite yeah. a fan of her. All right, let's uh, briefly cover this inflation thing. Oh, which, okay. Which is um, the, from Reason again. The Inflation Reduction Act won't actually reduce inflation. It says it in the bill, though. Yeah. I mean, it says this is the Inflation Reduction Act. So I think that means that by law it has to reduced inflation by the way this just tells you how clueless your people in congress are the bill introduced last week was pitched as a way to lower costs for consumers while also reducing the federal budget deficit i have to push back on something you just said you just said i think it shows how clueless the people in congress are i would have to disagree with that I oh think they actually know what they know they're perfectly doing. that it does that, not reduce inflation they know exactly what they're doing and they're smart enough to name it something because most of the people in the united states are clueless or, okay. or just aren't going to put in the time to actually look in the stuff. Yeah. I just want everybody to be aware of what I'm about to say. Okay. So pay attention. Okay. I was wrong. <laughs> and you were right. It's very Nate. important. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree 100% with that analysis. My initial uh, word vomit was mm -hmm. incorrect. Yeah. Okay. The bill introduced last week was pitched as a way to lower costs for consumers while also reducing the federal budget deficit and spending billions on environmental initiatives meant to combat climate change. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so ridiculous. What we need in this Inflation Reduction Act is to make sure that we spend money on climate change. Mm -hmm. It didn't take long for a problem to prevent it uh, to present itself. 
the impact on inflation is statistically indistinguishable from zero, concluded uh, the Penn Wharton budget model, a number-crunching policy center based at the University of Pennsylvania. In fact, if the bill's passage had any impact on inflation in the short term, it would be to increase it very slightly until 2024, according to the group's preliminary analysis. So the analysis, by the way, is either zero or more inflation because of the bill. Yeah, extra. Not even a chance of it going down. It's either zero or it's going to increase inflation. God bless America. (laughs) The Schumer Mansion deal. There's the thing. If you vote against this, well, obviously you hate the American people. Well, well, you're pro-inflation. Yeah. According to the Joint Committee on Taxation, a nonpartisan agency with the, within Congress, the Inflation Reduction Act would hike taxes by about $54 billion next year. More than $16 billion of that total would come from households making less than $200,000 and another $14 billion from households earning between $200,000 and $500,000. Even though President Biden said he would not raise taxes on households earning less than $400,000 annually. Do you think he would sign this bill if it passes? Of course he will. Of course he would. Because um, people are generally uh, idiots. And so it, it doesn't matter. Anything that says this is a bad idea is just right-wing extremist propaganda. Mm-hmm. Of course. Meanwhile, other provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act would sit uncomfortably besides Congress, uh, beside Congress's other major initiatives this year. Just last week, the Senate voted to hand $66 billion in new subsidies to computer chip manufacturers as part of an overall effort to boost domestic manufacturing of high-end electronics. But the, but the, but the corporate tax uh, increases included in the Inflation Reduction Act would fall most heavily on the manufacturing sector, according to the JCT. So then it's, yeah. it does nothing. They're going to so, subsidize them and raise their taxes at the same at the, same, at the time. same time you might as well not even exchange the money just don't do anything yeah don't do it do less yeah you there's know? no reason for it <laughs> except for the administrations that are going to be handing those transactions it's, that all has to be managed literally we live in an age where you could walk up to the street to someone you could punch them in the mouth steal a ten dollar bill out of their wallet and then give them ten dollars as an apology for punching them in the mouth and they'd be like oh my god this person's amazing this person's so good, just gave Thanks. me $10. Mm-hmm. Look at all the stuff they've done for me. This, this is this is insane at another level. As a result, Senator voting for both bills would effectively be voting to hike taxes on the very industries they just voted to subsidize. Manchin is certainly trying to sell it. Quote, this is all about fighting inflation, the senator said during an appearance yesterday. How do they get away with naming these bills like this? I don't know. It's, because people don't, people don't look into it, you know? I don't blame them. I mean, it's complicated. There's a lot of students to spend their time doing all this. But could we all at least go to the default position that whatever any of these people are saying is a lie? Don't go to the default position that whatever they're saying is true. How are we still at that? They got a 13% approval rating. And somehow still when they say something, they're like, oh, yeah, well, it must be what it's going to do. I understand that it takes a long time to look into these bills and figure out exactly what they're going to do. But don't assume that they're telling you the truth and that they're going to be successful. Assume they're going to fail and they're lying to you. And then build from there afterwards. Prove that what they're saying they're going to do is actually going to happen. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to. You won't be able to. It's all for show. Yeah. Just for show. And how long do you think they can keep this going? I don't know, man. You mean the American economy? Or how long can they keep this whole The charade. Yeah. The charade. Like, how long can they wear these? Like, you know, I used to think that I used to think that people weren't dumb and they could decide for themselves. <laughs> you think maybe we but, do need a dictator? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone that far okay. in my mind yet. Yet, but at the same time, I'm like, how long? Like, this is so blatant. It's getting to be so blatantly obvious, and maybe that's why there's such a political divide currently. Especially, you know, you see. Um, I think the people on the right are getting a lot more angry than mm-hmm. they used to about these types of things where they're like, this is just bloody ridiculous and I'm, and I'm not going to stand for it it's anymore. People on the, on the right in London. Yeah, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And Canada. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. And, and so my, how long can they keep doing this where it's like, literally they're now titling the bills in Congress. And it's a like literally a gaslighting title. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the title of this is Inflation Reduction Act, but the substance of it has nothing to do with reducing inflation. And it actually could increase inflation. And it could actually increase it. Like, That's, we're back on this idea yet again that we made fun of Biden for a while back, but here's how you reduce inflation, guys. You increase the prices that people who produce everything have to pay to do business. That's how you do it. You raise taxes. You know how you get every single one of these things from a big business, everything in your life, and you're upset about price inflation right now. You know how you reduce that. You increase taxes on all the people that produce all of these things that are around you. That takes care of inflation. You take that money from them, you put it in the hands of the government. The government never wastes money. They only put money towards really good causes, and everything they do succeeds all the time. How does that idea still get past people? Really? That is the, I don't know. Man, that's disappointing. You know what, Nate? You're not wrong. I appreciate I appreciate that. And Neither can, are you. I can appreciate your rightness, you know? <laughs> it's a, To me, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that share button. Make sure you share it with a friend, a family member, and a foe. The foes are mainly lefties, but they could be righties as well. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the foes that we're after. They could even be libertarian socialists. You know, you got to share it with them as well. Make sure you hit that plus button, as Nate said, smash it even, so you can get this episode uh, and write to Nate's angry. Uh, it's, you know, the market that bounced off of that resistance level, just like what I was talking about earlier, and I missed the entry, but if it pops back up, I can. I was wanting to buy a put, you know, betting that the market was going to go down. And I was like, well, it's been moving up all day, surely. I can make it through the podcast, and then I'll get a put. And then you can. And we'll still see. We still got more time left. Mm. But yeah, you know, that's frustrating so far. I just I couldn't go on because I could see you saw it on my face the desperation of anger inside of you, and I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that you were okay as my friend. I'm okay. All right. So physically, share the show. Sign up. Go to joingml.com. Also go to GodHatesFeds.com. We don't hate feds. God does. You take that up with God. <laughs> we talk to him, okay? GodHatesFeds.com. <laughs> this is not blasphemous whatsoever. No. No, we're in partnership with God. Yeah. He we're hates, tight. Yeah, he hates feds.com. Go get yourself a shirt, a puzzle, whatever you want. Support the new merch store. We appreciate each and every single one of you. And if you do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>